This is Sheila Adam Stafford, and you're listening to Project-Based Learning in Practice. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of PBL in Practice, a weekly broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project-based learning to discover best practices, share successes and failures, and learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adam Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on PBL. I had the amazing opportunity to speak at the White House in 2015 to share how PBL looks in my classroom before a room of national leaders. I'm a member of the national faculty of Buck Institute and founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students. Enough about me, let's get into our guest. Our guest for this week is Ted Malefite. Ted currently teaches for Hamilton County Schools, where he teaches in the Stream School, where students uncover significant content through the natural world and gold standard project-based learning. The success of Stream School has led Ted to the ODC Education Network, where he takes on the role of education partner. In his free time, Ted enjoys outdoor time with his family, fishing for salmon on Lake Michigan, and reading, all while focusing on the mission of engaging more kids and adults in the natural world that surrounds them. Ted is currently a national faculty member of the Buck Institute of Education, where he provides PBL support for schools around the world. Hey, Ted, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So we just heard a bit about your background, but what else should our listeners know about you? Well, they should know that uh, I'm a passionate educator who's really excited to walk with other educators in a movement of trying to reconnect our students with each other, with their communities, with the world around them outside their classroom, to bring high levels of authenticity to the work that we do, and to try to redefine uh, what we do in our in our classrooms and in our schools to uh, really help bring up a generation of people that are going to lead this world into the future and be model citizens that help uh, build a sustainable future for uh, upcoming generations. Absolutely. And Ted, you know, I just remember from early in our conversations, just your passion for connecting adults and students with the outside world. And I know a cool fact about you, about you and a Christmas tree farm. You got to tell our listeners about this. Well, as I was uh, growing up as a kid, um, my dad was a teacher. He was a science teacher in middle school as well. And one of the things that, you know, many teachers do is they, they try to earn an income in another way as well. And so he had started mm-hmm. a farm and uh, my dad died young and he left me and my brother, who happens to also be a teacher, uh, a pretty big Christmas tree farm behind. And so for many years, my brother and I um, had to kind of learn on the fly and how to operate, manage and maintain a Christmas tree farm. And find a way to profit off of it and uh it was a great experience we ended up selling yeah. eventually but uh it is something that i'll definitely treasure for the rest of my life and some of that exploration and the opportunity to be outside in that environment i, I try to instill in my own kids at home but also the kids that we have in our in our classroom wow that is that is so awesome and it's it's really actually kind of like a really cool project if you think about it 
<laughs> um, that, you know, maybe someone may take that idea and kind of replicate it. Um, but it seems like you kind of had this sort of experience with PBL even before it was called PBL. Um, but what actually brought you into project-based learning? So, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, I would consider the work that we did in our classroom to be good work. Um, in a number of years ago, a small cohort of teachers in our county were were asked to start a summer academy program in our county. And the premise of this program was that students would go to a local company and solve a problem for that company over the course of a couple of weeks during the summer. And then in the process, they would receive uh, credit to a local community college, a, a business credit. Mm -hmm. And we really needed help to make sure that the projects that we were designing around these problems that these companies posed to us were embedded in rich content that the students would normally get in this business class. And so we needed to make sure that we we're designing projects that were um, authentic, obviously, but also built in, in the content. And that was kind of our launch and we needed help. And so we, the, uh, the, the director of this Academy, um, got BIE to come in and train us and that was kind of our indoctrination into project-based learning in an official manner and so that's kind of how we got started and I often think about those days and uh, often think about the the value of what kind of start that provided me to be outside of the classroom in the community in in the work field with these high school kids solving problems that were adults were having a hard time solving and from their vantage point, and um, it stayed with me forever since. Yeah. And and did you say the students were able to earn like a credit for their business course that they were taking? Absolutely. Yep. So they walked away uh, a transferable credit to other um, other community colleges in the state of in the state of Michigan. Oh, wow. That was awesome. Um, and it was free. Uh, it was covered by a local community and in the community college. And uh they walked away also, you know, and it, it, it went so well that uh, the kids had this presentation. We, we really created that academy to be more of a, a pitch competition. Mm. And it went so well that uh, the community leaders that were in attendance in the final pitch presentations were so impressed with the kids that they gave every single child in the program a college scholarship. It wasn't huge, but oh, they wow. gave single person money to go to college, which was really cool. Um, and then they, they went out and definitely uh rewarded the winning team with even a larger scholarship so it was really That's cool it's an awesome way to start into the world of project-based learning i'm gonna say for a first project that sounds really great <laughs> um and i i think i just you know thinking about what you're saying about really you had such great community buy-in the fact that the students were able to get credit and then get scholarships and you know building that kind of community surrounding your project and PBL is just extraordinary if you can do that. That's that's really awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about your PBL superpower. So I'd say the superpower definitely lies in authenticity, especially given the context that I just shared with you. And mm -hmm. when you enter into the world of project-based learning and the 
the people who are in leadership positions open up doors that make for authenticity to be a little bit more easy to grasp because they put you in the right situation into the right environment. It was, it was pretty easy for me and my colleagues to really grapple with it in a serious way and, and really get better at it quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. authenticity is definitely the superpower, but in particular, we have really turned our passion into uh, really taking project-based learning outside into the natural world where the authenticity is always there. Um, you're never inconveniencing anybody, and it's something that we've really drawn to uh, develop deep, rich, meaningful learning experiences that engage students in their natural world, in their environment, right. in authentic ways. Wow. Awesome. So you, not only are you, you know, well-versed in the outdoor world, but you also are really great in the tech world. And that's, today is Tech Tuesday, and you're going to be sharing with us a tech tool. But feel free to also, other tools that you use that may not be as um, technical as some may may think. So first, let's start off with the tech tool uh, loom that you're using and, and just break it down for us uh, in about three to four sentences. So looking for a way to give really good feedback to students, also providing a way for students to give really good performance-based assessment back. It's a fantastic tool that on your computer you hit a button when you're looking at a student artifact or a document that they've created and you just talk into the document and to your computer and it automatically records it. And the beauty mm-hmm. of it is it automatically saves it onto your clipboard so then you paste it into the Google Doc that the kid is working on or whatever document they're on and they automatically have your video with your feedback and it saves a lot of time away from the typing um, and all from those other things that uh, usually, you know, make feedback uh, kind of long and tedious, especially for secondary ed teachers. So it's a fantastic tool to eliminate time and become more efficient with what we're doing. Absolutely. And feedback is such a, a key component of um, project-based learning. And um, so I'm hearing you say a few ways uh, maybe if you could give us some more examples of how you're using Loom, um, and then maybe we can talk about some other tools that you're using as well. Fantastic. So the biggest thing that we do with our Loom is it's all about the feedback when kids are writing. And our projects require a lot of writing. Uh, even if the final product isn't necessarily a big written component, we still, uh, as an example, if we have uh, a group developing a really good presentation, we really want to have a well-written script leading into that presentation. And we really like giving feedback early and often as much as we can. And conversations work best, but sometimes just the mode of life um, makes the conversation a difficult one to have. And so then we, re- we mm-hmm. definitely go to the loom to give them the feedback that they need in a quick and efficient way. So that's definitely one way that we use it. Um, I've also seen, you know, since we've started using it, um, we see other teachers use it. Uh, I have one teacher I've seen who does a really good job of providing his students with um, a photo of something. So let's just say a weather map of the current weather conditions. And then students use that in Loom to talk about what's going on. And now they're, they're verbally communicating their ideas about that map and they're showing their their knowledge and their critical thinking skills through their their 
Loom video and they immediately just copy and paste that into an email or they put it into their Google Classroom and send it back to him. So he has a running wow. record of how they're thinking in short segments. The nice thing about it is it's all free. There's unlimited video space. There's unlimited videos. It automatically reads the student Google Doc. And so it places mm -hmm. it in folders automatically for you so you can reaccess them later on. So it's a really slick tool. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. And I think that a lot of folks are going to check it out and say there are many uses for this. And, you know, thinking about students communicating with each other, with you, and just really being able to provide quality feedback. So thank you for that. So, yeah, and it's very interesting to me that, you know, a lot of your work takes place, you know, outdoors. And so, you know, how have you used nature as a tool as well um, and technology? I mean, that's really a cool fusion of two things that I guess people most most times just view as being completely separate from one another. Yeah, the, the irony in it is that we, we need to use technology to facilitate some of our deeper learning experiences. And yet we're trying to, in our projects, get our kids away from all of the technology and the screen time. And we're trying to re-engage them with each other and um, being present and then being present outside. You know, the, na yeah. the natural world is really a fantastic tool um, in ways that I could never have imagined when I had really begun the road of doing more of this. You know, we were always looking for authenticity and we're looking for authentic tools to engage our students with. And, you know, we have limited resources in schools. And at the same time, we have a hard time always asking people who are trying to make money in our community and uh, do a living to always give up their time for the sheer amount of kids that we have. Yeah. And started really engaging in the natural world because it made a whole lot of sense. But then as soon as we started doing it, you start to recognize the incredible tool that it actually is. Um, the lessons that it continually teaches, especially when you think about the non-cognitive skills that we're trying to establish in our students. Um, you know, when we think about perseverance and we think about um, being able to have, we call it stick to when we want to think about our, some of our wellness, we really started to grapple with some of those topics and the natural world is a fantastic place to really help draw a lot of that out. And you always yeah. have unexpected things that really create in the moment learning opportunities that uh, really take our learning to a whole nother level and really is a great tool to increase our student inquiry. Wow. And I, I mean, I, I really love this concept of just really letting students explore with the natural world. And I guess for someone who maybe is, you know, wanting to use nature as a tool and really allow students to connect with nature through their project, what would be some first steps for them? Or how, how can practitioners really get the most out of working with nature? You know, there's a couple of different ways that we started. The, the best way that we started was by connecting with our nature center, our local nature center, and trying to work with some of the naturalists, trying to be able to hear from their side and really start to develop a relationship. And that definitely helped kick us off in the right direction. Um, a second thing is try to go out um, on a consistent basis and try to be able to do it uh, with some just simple activities. Don't go outside for just the sake of doing it, but be able to go outside and see 
where the context for what you're supposed to be teaching kind of lays in. Um, another thing that we can you can do to start getting kids outside is I'm kind of really interested and curious about like the whole notion of play and exploration and adventure. Um, it is something that I think is lacking in a lot of our schools. And one of the things that we get feedback in from our students is they love the opportunity to explore. Exploration and adventure are big hooks to our learning. And the easiest place to do that is through simple walks outside, trying to get uh, to have a chance to see some things different that you typically don't see. Yeah, absolutely. Just a simple walk outside can be, you know, a method of just question formulation technique, asking them to, you know, question the world around them and question their environment and why things are the way they are. Absolutely. Another easy launch point is just uh, some very basic journaling. There's a lot of resources online uh, that you can find when it comes to outdoor journaling. And it just starts the process of being able to open up the mind, capture the senses um, and start to look differently at the world around you. You know, one of our, our favorite activities we always kick off with every year, and we do this all the way from young kids all the way through older kids, is we call it the Habitat High Rise. And we, we you know, we try to get kids senses as they can to look above them, to look at their eye height, to look at their feet, and then to dig into the ground below. So, you know, below the ground is the basement. Then the first floor is like from their feet up to their knees. Then they have the, the second floors from their knees to their eyes. And then what's above them is the, the top floor. And then we sketch out and we draw only based upon all the things that we smell, that we touch, that we, we can see. And we start getting a sketch of the complexity of the world around us. And then from there, we start to have the capacity to develop the questions. And really for us in our projects, it helps develop um, the keen eye, the eye that helps you look differently at the world around you, that starts to really bring in our observation skills, especially early on in our projects. Yeah, I really like that as kind of like a, an entry point or a launching point for a project. So, you know, Ted, I can just hear your passion uh, in talking about both of these tools. And maybe if you can just close out by just telling our, our listeners why you're using each of these tools, nature and really uh, the specific tech tool of Loom. Um, and then we can jump into how folks can keep up with you. So uh, a little bit about why is that our world is really needing people who can care for our planet. Um, we kind of have a phrase and a mantra that we will only care for that of what we know. We will only care and respect that of what we know. And, and uh, we, so we want kids to know their world around them, especially, and we're not anti-technology, but as kids are more and more in front of a screen, we want to try to reverse that trend. Uh, we also have found out that a lot of our wellness is can be, you know, there's a lot of scientific research done about the value of being outdoors from a wellness perspective. When we think about our emotional um, and mental health and how that definitely plays a factor into how long we spend outside. So that's mm -hmm. one aspect of it, why it's important. But on the technology side of it, our kids also need to be productive citizens and move into this world. And technology is a huge piece to it. So it's not an either or discussion. It's a both and discussion. 
We want our students to be the top engineers in the world. We want our students to be really good in the medical field. We want our students to be able to have all these passions that require a high level of use around technology. And we want them in those jobs to have an appreciation for the environment. We want to have our kids in those jobs have an appreciation and a dedication to protect the environment. And we want both. Yeah. No, Ted, that's a really great way to think about it and this kind of merger of tech and nature and that you really do need to understand both um, in our, our society, in our world today. So thank you so much. And, and uh, for our listeners that want to keep up with you, tell us how folks can keep up with you on Twitter um, or if you have a website or and if you're comfortable giving out your email, that would be cool too. So folks can uh, keep up with you. Certainly. So one of the ways that you can keep up with me is uh, just through the Twitter um, at uh, Ted Malefite, and that's capital T E and then E D, capital M A L E F Y T. And then uh, we work at home out of uh, uh, the nature center that we work with that we really support schools and people with um, is outdoordiscovery.org. Um, once again, that's outdoordiscovery.org. We really love supporting teachers and schools and their mission of reconnecting their uh, their teachers and their kids uh, with the outdoors. We'd love to be able to help out with that. And then uh, if you want to email me there, you guys you guys can do that as well, uh, ted at outdoordiscovery.org. So those are the ways you can connect with me um, and feel free to be able to, to ask and we can begin to have a conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ted, for spending some time with us here today. And uh, I feel inspired to go out in nature. I don't know about you listeners, um, but this has been a great chat. And thanks again, Ted. No problem. Thank you. All right. This week's podcast is brought to you by the Buck Institute for Education, who believes that all students, no matter where they live or what their background, should have access to quality project-based learning to deepen their learning and achieve success in college, career, and life. As a teacher and coach, I can honestly say they have some awesome resources available on their website. Everything from books to project planning guides to project calendars, rubrics, assessment maps, you name it. They offer services that can really help your staff or district implement high-quality PBL, including training, coaching, and my favorite, Project Slices, where educators get the experience of going through a PBL project as if they were students. Check out all they have to offer on their site, www.bie.org. Again, that's www.bie.org. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of PBL in Practice. I'm your host, Shayla Adam Stafford. It's been a pleasure spending some time with you today. Now, my website is totally done. You can check me out at www.shaylastafford.com. That's S-H-A-Y-L-A-S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D.com, where you can download and listen to all of our episodes thus far. Thanks again, and have an awesome week.